So that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about miracles. It was about three or four months ago, a gentleman was in dialogue with myself, and he said, uh, Preacher, what's your take on miracles? And uh, before I could respond, he shared with me that he certainly believed that Jesus was the Lord. He certainly believed in miracles. But he said every miracle Jesus did, it had to come within the realm of nature. And I, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. <laughs> I said as gently as I could, well, that's not possible because how could he raise someone from the dead? I want to talk about miracles today. I believe in miracles. John 20, verse 30 and 31 the Gospel writer John, uh, some 80 years after Jesus had left this earth, he's writing his Gospel around 110 A.D. And he says, Jesus did many other miracles not recorded in this book. I don't know if he's talking about his own letter, his own Gospel, or whether he's talking about the combined Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus did many other miracles not recorded. How many others, John? Tell me how many others. Did He do two or three a day, three-year ministry? Did He do a thousand miracles and only 35 are recorded? Tell me how many, John. Jesus did many other miracles not recorded in this book, but these are recorded that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's why He did the miracles. Part of it was compassion, you totally understand that. But whenever he did a miracle, he said, I'm doing this so that you might know that I am the Son of God. When he does a miracle in your life or mine, he wants us to understand it wasn't fate, it wasn't good fortune, it was I am Jesus, the Son of God. I did the miracle in your life. You got some goosebumps, you felt my presence. I did the miracle. That hasn't changed. Jesus did many other miracles not recorded in this book. These are recorded that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Nicodemus caught that drift, did he not? John chapter 3 comes to Jesus in the middle of the night. Maybe he comes because he's a member of the Sanhedrin, doesn't want the others to know. He's beginning to look more deeply into whether Jesus is the Son of God. Or maybe he came in the middle of the night because Jesus was so darn busy from 6 a.m. in the morning until late at night. The only time he wasn't surrounded by crowds was late at night. That's when Nicodemus comes. And he says to Jesus this. He said, we, he doesn't say I. He says, we believe that you must be sent from God and, uh, and tell me more, Nicodemus. Tell me why you believe I'm sent from God. Nicodemus says, No one could do these miracles you have done except they be from God. I believe in miracles. Because my view of God is large enough to include the possibility of Him doing miracles. If I believe that God has existed eternally, and so I do, and if I believe that this God out of nothing created all that there is, and I do, then in the light of this creation of everything, 
The miracles seen in the Bible and the miracles seen in your life and mine are really nothing. They are nothing to God when you have that power to create everything. There is nothing in His realm of ability that would hinder His accomplishment of some will pertaining to some circumstance in the life of these people or in the life of you. There is nothing that hinders His ability. If He creates an entire universe, do you think He has some trouble turning water into wine? Does He have to get on the computer and Google, how do I turn water into wine? Do you think He has any difficulty? He creates a universe with two trillion galaxies and 3,200 solar systems. And there are 200 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. That's the power that He has. If I ask you how many miles of blood vessels were in your body, would you know the answer? If I told you the absolutely impossible, that there are 60,000 miles of blood vessels in your body, would you sit there with your mouth hanging open? Please close it. 60,000 miles of blood vessels. How is that possible? The arteries that carry blood away from the heart, the veins that carry blood back to the heart, the capillaries, the smallest blood vessels connecting the arteries and the veins, if you laid all of that circulatory system out in one straight line, it would be 60,000 miles. Do you think that God has any difficulty changing water into wine? How does the human eye work? A light hits the retina. A layer of tissue at the back of the eye, special cells called photoreceptors turn the light that hits the retina into electrical signals and the electrical signals go to your brain and your brain says, this is what you are looking at. How is that possible? Do you think God has any difficulty turning a blind man into being able to see or a deaf man into hearing or a crippled man into walking. You think God has any difficulty? There are 400 olfactory neurons in your nose. Everything sets, has molecules. The pine tree that you smell, the pancakes that you smell, everything has molecules. Molecules float into the air. They touch the 400 neurons in your nose. And when they hit the neurons in your nose and a message is sent to the brain and it tells you what you are smelling, this is God creating a human being. You have any difficulty believing God's ability to do His miracles. Bread and fish created by God, but they're multiplied with a snap of His finger and they feed 10,000 you think the Creator has any trouble walking on the water that He Himself created? If you're trying to explain a miracle, then you must explain to me how 60,000 miles of blood vessels can be in a human body. You have to explain that to me. If you're asking me to explain how Jesus did some miracle, explain to me how the waters of the Red Sea opened Tell me the depths of the sea. Was there some wind that came through 
and made some dry ground. Are you kidding me? 60,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. And if you can explain how that is possible, then I'll try and explain how the Red Sea was opened. And my explanation, God said open, and it opened. Thank you very much. These miracles are nothing to God. Our belief in miracles depends on the size of our belief in the existence of God Himself. Our belief in miracles depends on the existence of our belief in God Himself. I did a funeral yesterday. A gentleman had called me 18 months ago. He had been addicted to cocaine for 30 years of his life. His mother had passed away six or seven years ago. She had four boys, but she talked about the troubled one all the time. And the other boys knew that. And she prayed more for this boy than she did for the other three combined because of the addiction that came upon him and relentlessly would not let go. Eighteen months ago, out of the blue, he called me. He said, Pastor, do you remember me? I said, I certainly do. He said, I have pancreatic cancer. And I need to talk with you. I need to ask you if there is any chance with all the destruction my addiction has caused to family, to friends, to everything that God has given me. I need to ask you whether there's any way that God will let me into heaven. We talked for a good half hour, 40 minutes. We talked about the thief on the cross. I said to him, do you think that that man who wasted his entire life and destroyed other people's lives by doing harm to them or to their property, do you think that man is in heaven? And this individual said to me, I believe with all my heart that he is in heaven. I said, why do you believe he's in heaven? Because Jesus forgave him. And I said, if Jesus forgave him for wasting his entire life, do you think there is a possibility that Jesus could forgive you? And he said, absolutely, Pastor. I believe that Jesus can and does forgive me. We had three conversations in that the last 18 months of his life. And when I did the funeral yesterday, I shared the fact that I had talked with him three times in 18 months, and I shared with the family that those conversations had occurred. Two of his brothers came up to me and they said, it is a night and day difference having you having shared with us that you have talked with him about salvation, about Christ, about faith, because we all believed that there is no way he would be in heaven with all the things that he had done in his life. We thought there was no way he'd be in heaven. But because you shared with us those conversations, we believe with all our heart that that is where he is, right next to mom and right next to dad. And then the word miracle was mentioned. The one brother said, if I'm wondering if God can do miracles, 
the fact that our brother would call a minister, namely yourself, and have these discussions with that minister. I don't care what miracles are in the Bible. That is the greatest miracle I can imagine. Because he wanted nothing to do with God and he wanted nothing to do with the church. Because of what he was involved in. You believe in miracles. It depends on how deeply you believe in the existence of God and the truth of His promises. You look at the Gospel of Mark, 16 chapters. More miracles crammed into the Gospel of Mark than any other. And the miracles, there were four in a row that they showed the power and authority of Jesus over different aspects of life. The first miracle that Mark throws out is the stilling of the storm. <laughs> Jesus is asleep and the disciples are frantic and, and they wake him up. You know, don't you care about to drown? And Jesus said, you woke me up from my sleep because of this. And uh, he shakes his head and, and gets his head in the right place, holds up his hand, the storm stops. And it was Mark's desire to show his power over nature. At the time of that writing, whenever anything bad happened in nature, earthquakes or fires or floods or storms, you still had the belief from the cultures around them that God was angry. And so here is this miraculous account of Jesus holding up his hand and the storm stops. Nature does not have power over God God has power over nature. And the very next miracle is the casting out of the demons into a herd of pigs. You remember that? Shows Jesus' power over evil, his power over Satan. It's in Mark chapter 1 verse 24 that the demon-possessed man says, Why have you come among us, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are, the Holy One of God. Power over nature, power over Satan. When it says in 1 John 4, 4, the one in you is stronger than the one in the world. These are the miracles of casting out of demons that the Gospel writers put in there so you would know the truth of 1 John 4, 4. And after that, the woman comes with the issue of blood bleeding for 12 years. Does Jesus have difficulty with the fact that he's been bleeding for 12 years? The man who puts 60,000 miles of blood vessels in our body, does he have difficulty with the cancers and the dementias that are in the world? He doesn't reach out to touch the woman. He doesn't have to. She touches the hem of his robe and she's healed. The Gospel of Mark written for the Gentiles. Here's his power over nature. Here's his power over Satan. Here's his power over illness. And then the last one in that sequence. Jairus' daughter dies. Jairus' daughter dies. They come and say, Jairus, don't bother Jesus any longer. He can't do anything. Your daughter's dead. And Jesus says to him, stop doubting. Stop doubting. 
only believe. And Jairus' daughter raised from the dead. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, If Jesus Christ be not raised from the dead, then our preaching is foolish and our faith is in vain. And we are to be pitied more than all men. The Apostle Paul, the living miracle himself, are you kidding me? Forget the thief on the cross for a moment. The Apostle Paul was the thief on the cross. Spends his early days with the great intellect that God had given him, with the great power that he had amassed on this earth. The top of all the Pharisees, first in his class under Gamaliel, and he uses this given to him by God to destroy Christians, to hunt them down like a pack of rats and to destroy them one after the other. He's sitting there holding the coats of those who are stoning Stephen, the first Christian martyr. He's heading to Damascus to round up some more of these Christians. He's found out where they're at. And on the road to Damascus, he's knocked off his horse, donkey, camel, whatever he is riding. And, and, uh, and he said, who did this to me? And the risen Jesus said, I did this to you. I am the risen Christ. You want to talk about a miracle? There's a thief on the cross. You want to talk about a miracle? There's this man addicted to cocaine for 30 years. And at the end of his life, he comes fully to the faith. And what a wondrous uh, honor I had yesterday speaking at his funeral. The Apostle Paul, the murder of Christians, and after Jesus is through with him, what miracle occurs? The greatest Christian missionary in human history. Who would have ever thought, you know, you might not believe 60,000 miles of blood vessels in your body, but if I told you, as he stands there, holding the coats of those who are stoning Stephen, if I told you that he would end up writing half of the New Testament, would you say to me, Strand, you are out of your mind? Miracles. I believe in them not just because of what the Bible says, but I believe in them because of that which has occurred in my own life. Whether it's a license plate almost 18 years ago now, my goodness. Whether it's a license plate on the first day that John goes in for treatments for his brain cancer. And the license plate says, Be still. Psalm 46.10 There was a time some 15 years ago, I'm driving to Salem Village there in Joliet, and I get off on Briggs Street, and I look to my left, look to my left to make sure there's no traffic coming. This is before the light is there. And I look to the left, and no traffic is coming, and I make the most horrible mistake I'd ever made in my life. I didn't look to the right. And I pull out, and I see a red pickup truck coming 90 miles an hour. And um, I said, God be with my family, because there's no way that I would survive that. And I just scrunched up like that and listened for the impacts. And it never came. It never came. 
I stopped my car right there in the intersection. The pickup truck stopped right there in the intersection. I got out. And it was the most, uh, it was the most profound apology I ever gave in my life. Uh, what I did to him, scaring him half to death. Uh, the most profound apology ever made. And then I said, I'm a minister. I'm going to see someone at Salem Village. And I was thinking about her and what I was going to say. And I just kept apologizing. And he said to me, he said, there's no way that I stopped the truck. I was going too fast, way faster than I should have been. And when I saw you pull out, I put my foot on the brake. I closed my eyes. And I just said, God, help me. There in the middle of the intersection, this conversation taking place as cars go around us. He said, I didn't stop the truck. God stopped the truck. There was a gentleman in our church some seven or eight years ago. He began the story by telling me, I don't believe in this stuff. When people tell me about these things, I don't believe in it really. I believe totally in God and Jesus but I don't believe in this extra stuff. Until that day, the week prior, when he was coming back from Minnesota, visiting his wife's mother. And they're coming to an intersection, and he's not really paying attention, and the corn is tall, and he can't see around the corn, and he's talking to his wife, you know, what if something happens to your mom? You know, what are we going to do about the funeral and, and all that stuff? He's paying no attention And he comes to that intersection, and if I recall correctly, a semi-truck is coming. And he sees it at the last moment, and he, like any of us, just closed his eyes. He knew what was going to happen. And then he said to me, I who do not believe in such things, There had to have been an angel, it had to have been an angel, it had to have been God, just swept my car, just swept my car around. Your belief in miracles depends on the depth of your belief in the existence of God. And whether he was a God that just created or whether he's a God that cares as deeply about you as your mother or father ever did. Miracles. St. Paul, the one who had that miracle of his life transformed, he's the one that wrote, don't be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? The miracle of the Holy Spirit coming, right? He's the one that wrote in Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in His promises? Do you believe in miracles? They happen all the time. Do you see them? They're not recorded in the Bible. They happen all the time in your life. You see them. Closing word. Here's a baseball game Lucas was playing about a month ago. And I had moved close to the 
playing field behind the fence so I could see better. And a player on the other team hit a home run and ran fast around the bases. And when he slid into home plate, when he slid into home plate, his mother started crying. And she said to the lady next to her, that's my miracle. Because the doctors said when he was one year of age that he would never walk. That's my miracle. Is that miracle recorded in the Bible? No. He did many other miracles, not recorded. But every time a miracle happens, such as that lady's son running so fast around the bases, whenever a miracle happens, you lift up your hands because you know from whence the miracle has come. Keep us close to you, Lord. Never a circumstance ever in our lives in which we do not realize your presence, your peace, and your strength. In our Savior's name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.